If you'll remain standing at this time in the honor of the reading of God's word, and turn with me to Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. And as always, if you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen here. But if you do have a Bible, or a fake Bible on your phone as they call it, uh, I'd I'd recommend you follow along there. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way, behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves, Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, this, that nevertheless know this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. May God bless the reading of this word this morning. You can be seated at this time. Well, I want to welcome you to White Oak this morning. I love you guys so much. I love this church. and we love you either. I love you guys. And um, as much as I have a prepared sermon this morning, I always like to start just by reminding you Uh, that I love for you, I want good for you, that I open the Bible to provide hope for your life, to to beckon you to live the life that Jesus wants you to live, to to lead you into an amazing relationship with God, to maybe loosen the pangs of some of the things that draw us in in this world and to pull us back into the the scriptures and God's plan. Um, I'm just so excited about all that God's doing in this place and in this church and I just want you to know that as we come before God this morning, like I honestly believe God is going to do something amazing in your life and in my life through the preaching of his word. And so let's, let's enter this with reverence, but also with, with hope and happiness because he's going to teach us this morning. Uh, the title today uh, is Living on Mission. The title is Living on Mission. And I begin this morning by, by thinking about something I've been thinking a lot about recently, and it's the concept of when I look at my own life and my place here in this city, um, do I believe that I just happen to live here, or do I believe that I've been sent here by God? When you think about your life and your place in this city, when you think about the life that you're living, the things that you're doing, do you see yourself primarily as someone who just happens to live in Houston because your job is here, or someone that lives here because we have a good housing market with affordable houses for a big city? Uh, do you live here because you have a friend that's here, or do you live in this place? Have, are, are you in Houston in 2016 because God has sent you to this place? 
And I ask you that question this morning because we're talking about some of our values here at White Oak. And last week we talked about community, meaning if you're a part of this church, which we hope you are a part of this church, we want everyone to value community. So if you don't value relationships in the church, then White Oak's not going to be a good church for you because we value relationships. We believe that the Bible values relationships. But today we're going to talk about something called mission, which is a little bit different of a word than we're kind of used to. And honestly, for a lot of churches, this concept of living on mission is kind of a new idea. So I'm excited to open up this idea with you and see what God has for us in this idea. But what the word mission means, and what it means when we say we value mission, is that we believe that every single person that is a follower of Jesus in this city and specifically in our church is specifically and individually called to be a part of the mission of God. I believe that all of you that are members of White Oak serve a vital and an important role in White Oak. People that join our church and walk with our tribe in this season, we want all of those people to be looking about how they can help in pushing forth the mission of the church in this city. We also look at all the people in our city and all the believers, and we believe that all believers are called to live daily on the mission of God. And the main idea this morning, before we dive, we have a lot of text this morning, but the main idea I want to throw at you this morning is that whatever we're doing, wherever we're at, we are the people of God, sent by God for the mission of God. Let me say that again. Whatever we're doing, short of sin, obviously, wherever we're at, we are the people of God, sent by God for the mission of God. We believe that in our church, we want to cultivate a culture of mission that all people see their lives as a part of what God is doing in this city. And the reason why mission is a value is because the Bible does not recognize any type of Christianity that simply, that simply consists of someone drifting in life or primarily living and getting through their life just trying to have it a little bit easier. Christianity is not primarily a cold doctrinal adherence but it is a faith-driven mission that has beliefs that are associated with it. Christianity is a movement that is always pushing forward and is always pushing the darkness back. Christianity are a people who have surrendered to the wonder of the gospel and now care that this good news message of the kingdom goes forth across the street, but also across the globe. And this week, as I was looking at what text I was going to preach from, it was so difficult because literally every single passage in the Bible is about mission. Every single passage of the Bible is God calling his people out of a certain way of life, out of a rebellious life, and into a life that is a part of his kingdom and bringing the kingdom to the place that they were living and the time that they were living in. Every passage of the Bible, every story of the Bible, every character of the Bible is God calling people to a wonderful mission of changing and redeeming this world, the mission that God himself is orchestrating. We can look at Genesis chapter 12 when God calls Abraham. Remember that? God calls Abraham and says, um, I will bless you. He says, I will make your name great. He says, go from your house to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and all the nations of the world will be blessed through you. 
God calls Abraham out of the life he was living and into a life on a mission to bless the entire world. And then in Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus calls some of his first followers, he shows up, right? I think Jesus was probably strong enough and powerful enough to do everything himself. I don't think he needed people. He didn't need the 12-week disciples. But he shows up, goes to the disciples and says, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And then in Luke 10, 27, when people are asking him, what's the greatest commandment of all the law and all the things we're supposed to be doing? They, they say, Jesus, what is the most important thing? And in Luke 10, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. He said everything is summed up by this outward love of God and love of people. In Matthew 28, the Great Commission, after Christ rises from the dead in a glorious victory over sin and death, after dying for our sins on the cross, what does he say? He says, go therefore, he commissions them out on a mission, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He's calling them out. He's calling them to do something. He's calling them to mission. But let's keep going. In John chapter 20, one of my favorites this morning, when he appears to the disciples after he rises from the dead, listen to what he says. He says, peace be with you. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And then in Acts chapter 1, before he ascends back into heaven, he gets the, his followers together and he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And then finally in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writing to the early church says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. You see, I think the, the problem that we have so often, and the problem that I'm combating today, and something that, man, I, I constantly need to be reminded of, is that like every single place that I go, I want to live my life like I am on the mission of God. I know most people don't view Kroger as a big mission field, right? I know most people don't view the place that they get their haircut as a mission field. Shoot, I don't even think the average person views their neighbor as much of a mission field. So often I think we constrain mission and loving God and doing his work to the four walls we have here. We constrain mission and, and wanting to be the hands and feet of Christ, maybe to our families exclusively, but to our circle of friends and our co-workers and the places that we go and the vacations that we take and the, the things that we do, the, the driving around the city that we do. We do not connect those things to the mission of God. And yet the Bible tells a story of this idea that whatever we're doing, wherever we're at, we are the people of God sent by God for the mission of God. Did you know that every single second of your life could be powerful and supernatural if you would just be aware that the Spirit is beckoning you to love this world. 
I believe that not one single second of our life escapes our glorious calling that God is giving us of loving him and loving people. There is no normal. There is no secular. There is no distance from our calling. We need to know this and believe this and memorize this and and live like this. Not a single second of creation escapes God's glorious redemption story. Everywhere we go, everything we do, God is beckoning us to follow him. But we're going to zone in this morning on Luke chapter 10. So if you still have your Bible open, turn there with me. Luke 10 verses 1 through 12. We're going to read this text, right? I could have probably preached from any text this morning, but this is a, one that I, I really felt was special for what we were talking about. We're going to go verse by verse through this. We're going to pull some things out of it, and then I'm going to charge you as we leave here today to live on mission every day of your life. Verse 1, he says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. So, This is important for for many, many reasons, right? But the first thing that I think that we see here, and I think you see all throughout the scripture, is that those who follow Jesus will be sent out by Jesus. Those who follow Jesus will be sent out to transform this world into the image of what God wants it to be. Those who follow Jesus, highlight, will be sent out by Jesus. I want to highlight here, this is the 72. What does that mean? It means it's not the 12, right? I don't know if the 12 disciples were more legit than the 72, but the the Gospels make it clear that there was like this breakdown, right? There was the 12 disciples who you've heard of and they're named in the scriptures and and we, we, we hear about them and their personalities and what they did. And within the 12, there was like an inner circle of three, right? So there was like the inner three, then there was like the 12, and then uh, there's also this, this group that's referred to a couple times, there's the 72, right? And, and the way I envision this is it's like the, the B or the C team down from the disciples, right? Okay? This is like the minor leagues, right? I don't know if that's true. Maybe they were better, but I would imagine that the 12 were special for some reason, right? But this is not the 12. This is the 72. And we know this because in the previous chapter, Jesus sends out the 12 to do some stuff, right? And then he sends out what, the minor leagues out into the field to do some work, right? And this is important because some, so often I think that we think that maybe we're the B team or the C team, right? We're not preachers. We're not missionaries. I don't know much about the Bible. I don't know much about all that stuff. I, I, I kind of like Jesus. I, I kind of like the church. And, you know, I'm kind of into this thing. But, you know, I, I, people say, I, I don't know enough to share anything. I don't know enough to say anything. And what I always say is you don't have to know that much to tell people what God's done in your life, Right? You don't need to have a a speech memorized, right? Just tell him what God has done in your life. Tell him that you love Jesus, that you love his church, that you love the commands to love people and love God, and and, and you love the way he, he, he instructs you to live your life. But he sends them out, and what we see here is that everybody that followed Jesus was sent out by Jesus. That's why a lot of people didn't stick around Jesus, right? Because there were people that they liked the show, and they were like, man, he's healing people, and he's preaching really good sermons, and he's got this charisma about him. It's, it was really the Holy Spirit, but they thought it was probably charisma. You know, he's like this really great leader, and they're following him, and they like the show. And the reason why many people would leave is, number one, because he would offend them by saying they were sinners, which a lot of people don't like to hear, but we're all sinners, it's true. But number two, because when you would follow Jesus, you would be sent out. It wasn't just stay by Jesus the whole time. He would, he would train you up, he would disciple you, he would equip you, and then he would send them off into a village and a town to, to do a horrible job, but thus a, a blessed job of ministry, right? And they were always making mistakes. 
I mean, think about the, the, the 12 disciples were like not the cream of the crop, right? The 12 disciples were not like the, like the greatest stock, and these guys were like lower than the 12 disciples, right? So this is just like everybody that was following Jesus was sent out to be a part of ministry in their community. And then we see that he sends them out in twos, and this is important, right? Because we need community, right? When we live in this life, when we reach this city, right, we live in a, a very secular city that doesn't respect a lot of our beliefs. There's been a, a shift, it feels like, in the worldview, really in the last 50 years in the place that we live, right? And so when we go out, we need to go out in twos or threes or fours. When we love on people, we need to be willing to invite other people to encourage us and to help us in this. We need community. But those who follow Jesus will be sent out by Jesus. But continuing on in verse 2, it says, And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in that or the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Now, if you're like me and you read this, you notice something that seems a little bit off, right? So the whole point of this is we're living on mission. The whole point is Jesus is like sending these followers and these disciples out into these towns and villages to share the gospel and to let them know the kingdom is at hand, right? They're going out to share with people, to love on people, to, to, to love the world. And yet he says something kind of odd. He says, um, and greet no one. He says, when you're on the way, greet no one. And like, that's kind of interesting. We're supposed to like love people and share the kingdom. Like, like why not these people? And the reason is, most commentators say, is because Jesus was sending these people out two by two into specific villages that he was about to go to. So what that means is that when Jesus sent these people out, he had a specific mission and a specific calling for them. But most specifically, he had a specific place that he was sending them. And so what Jesus was saying by this is when you're on your way, greet no one. And the reason why I said that was because uh, in in Jesus' time, greeting somebody was way different than us, right? For us, a greeting is like, hey, you know, or a greeting is like, um, what's up, right? A greeting is how are you? Like uh, we we say, how are you? And then we walk away before they answer, right? Because we don't really care. We're just saying, like, how are you? It's just a greeting. We don't really care how you are, right? I I don't really care what's up, you know? That's just kind of like like an awkward thing I say when I see you because I don't know what to say, you know? So what's up? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's awkward, you know? And then sometimes people answer and then it gets really awkward, right? But, but, what he, but back in that day, it was different. A greeting would have been like a lot more effort. A lot of times to greet somebody meant that someone would greet you or you would greet them, that you would, you would house them or they would house you. A greeting would have been hanging out and getting together. It might have involved a meal. A greeting was a very lengthy, more formal process than we often have. And so what he says here is, I'm sending you to this town. And when I send you to this town, he goes, greet nobody because you're going to a certain place that I want you to minister to. And so the second thing we see in this is that we must stay focused or we'll waste our time. Or I would even argue we must stay focused or we will waste our life. We must stay focused. Jesus sent them to a specific place, to specific towns. 
And I believe that for us, in the same way, Jesus sends us to specific places. But, but the problem is, we don't view ourselves as sent to Houston, Texas. We view ourselves as people that just kind of live here. We just kind of exist. We're just kind of bored with life. We're just kind of getting along. We're just trying to make it through. And yet what what God calls us to do is to go into the nations and make disciples. And so we're in Houston. And so he says, wherever you go, make disciples. So we're here in Houston, right? So we're supposed to be a blessing to this city. We're supposed to be sharing the good news with this city. We're called to live on an amazing mission in the context of this city for as long as God has us here. But he says something else that's interesting. He says, don't go from house to house. And so you're like, why does he say that, right? Because you're supposed to be sharing the gospel with people. So don't you want the most amount of people to hear and all this kind of stuff? But what Jesus was saying there was he says, look, when you go into a place and you find a person of peace, meaning a person that for whatever reason, it seems like they're receptive to the message and maybe they'll be able to help spread this message. He says, when you find a person like that, when you find somebody open and willing to entertain what God has for them, stay there, invest there, lean into that place. He says, listen, when you find that person, don't go from house to house. And so this would have, this would have wasted time, right? From one place to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. John MacArthur, a well-known Bible commentator, says what this would have meant was that he would have been saying, don't try to find the most comfortable house for you. Don't go chasing comfort. Don't, don't try to find the house with the best food even, right? Though we're always tempted to do that as well. You see, all these things that he's saying, he's saying don't waste your time. He says when you find a place that you can minister, when you find a place where God has opened a door, stay there, lean in, Invest for the time that God has you there. In the neighborhood that you live in, wherever it's at, wherever your address is, like lean into that place. You see, I think we're always looking for like the, the next thing. We're always looking for what God has for us just around the corner. We, we live in a place where it's like we're, we're so focused on getting more stuff and upgrading our car and taking care of our bills and all these kinds of things that we'll literally be in a place for five years and have no deep relationships. When you find a community that you can minister to, that you can uh, make great changes for the kingdom in, lean into that place. If White Oak is that church for you, lean in, invest. You don't have to be here forever. But while you're here, lean in and be a part of what's going on. Be a part of community. Be a part of mission. When you find a job that you can interact with a lot of unchurched people, if it's a place where you think you can infect some change, be there, lean in, and invest. Don't go from house to house consistently. I think it's important that when we look at where we're deciding to invest our lives, that we have to keep the kingdom in mind. And this is such a struggle, you know, and and I think we're all guilty of this. I know I am as well. When we think about, you know, where we're going to live and the things that we're going to do and all those kinds of things, you know, we, all of us are pretty shallow, I think, sometimes when it comes to, like, where am I going to live? It's like, I got to live in the right place. Like, the most important thing is I need a big backyard because my dog likes to run around, Right? And I love my dog, you know. So I got to have like the, the right, like, like, like I will literally decide where I'm going to live because I can get the right square footage of house. I'm going to choose what I'm going to do because of these things because I like the, the granite countertops are so much better than the Formica, you know. And it's, it's a big difference, you know. On my deathbed, I'm going to really have wanted the perfect sized kitchen. 
You watch HGTV, man, you get pulled into that stuff. Man, I watch HGTV, I want to redo my whole house. My house is awful. Every time I watch HGTV, I'm like, this is awful. I'm like living in the dumps every single time. Maybe if I call them, they can redo my house for me. I see a day when we decide the places that we will live because we believe that we can be a part of the kingdom of God coming to that community. There's an in there. We can be a part of what what God's doing. We believe that we can carry the kingdom with us into that community, into that place, that there's a need for the gospel and that we can be a part of, of meeting that need in our lifetime. And then the third and final thing from our our passage, it it comes out of verse 9, where he says, Heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. He says, heal the sick when you go to your town and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. I love the way that sounds. I love the way he says that. And the third thing is that our presence should reflect the kingdom of God wherever we go. Oh, to be the kind of person that when you walk into a room, the light has come. I wonder what it must have been like when Jesus walked into a place. And, and Jesus' strategy, as we said before, like Jesus didn't have like a really smart strategy. He just like walked around, you know, like he just walked around this town and I'll go to this town now, you know, I'll go to this town, you know. I'll go to the woman, I'll go to a well, I'll go to the synagogue, you know, I'll go to where people are congregating at the park. He's just kind of walking around, you know. And yet when he showed up, he was always having these like conversations. He was always on the lookout. I mean, do, do we not see that when we sit down at a restaurant and our waiter or our waitress comes to us, do, do we not understand that that is a human that God loves and that God wants to do something in that person's life and that if we are sitting at their table, that they are blessed because the kingdom of God has drawn near, because we, we bear and behold this amazing message that God is making all things new, that there is so much hope in the brokenness because we live in a city with over a million hurting, broken, sinful, lonely, struggling, anxious people who don't think life has that much hope. And then we move into the neighborhood and then we go to their restaurant and then we go to get our hair cut at that place or we check out at that line in the grocery store or we get a new job at a new place full of all these people. May we be the kind of people that when we show up, the kingdom of God is thick in the room, when we're driving on the highway, when we're spending time with our children, when we're spending time with our spouse or our church family or our friends, every single thing that we do, we are called to live on mission. A couple of weeks ago, we had a, a mission team come in and uh, I got to be a part of like the, like the last night of the mission trip. You know, everyone knows like camp or mission trips, like the last night's like the best night, you know. It's like the cry fest and it's getting all serious and everyone's like opening up their life and everything. It's a really special time. And, uh, and it reminded me of, of some mission trips that I've been on. And, you know, they were just talking about like, man, like in Houston this whole week, it's just been awesome. And we've just done so many great things. I've just, I've just felt so much happiness when I give up my life for other people and for God's plan. And I, I, they're like, one kid was like, you know, I, I always think that life is all about, you know, me doing something new or experiencing something new. And he was like, but when I lost my life, I found it on this trip. He's like, this is absolutely amazing. And, and they're all like, man, how come like every day can't be like this? How come when I go back, it's like back to the normal, back to the secular, right? Back, back to the uninspired life, right? Back to the life where I'm not living on mission anymore. And the reality is, no matter how much we struggle with it, your whole life can be a mission trip. 
and you make mistakes and you fall off the boat and you forget about it, but then you, you remember that your life can reflect the kingdom of God wherever you go. Why do wherever you go, enter the room and enter that room, enter that place, enter that community to love it, to serve it, to, to give to it, to share the good news, show up ready to bless, show up to be a contributor. When you show up at your place of work, work the right way. Don't, don't shortcut it, right? Work to the glory of God. Love people differently than everybody else. Care about people beyond the bottom line. I can't tell you how many people in this room You're in this room right now because somebody um, told you about the gospel or the church when you were at work. I know it's your story for many of you. Many of you are in this room because you just stopped in one day, right? And someone loved you and greeted you and said hi to you. And you stuck and God's done a work in your life. You see, Jesus sends all Christians out for ministry. As it says in John 20, 21, it says, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, Even so, I am sending you. You see, we are all sent missionaries. And some of us go across the globe to unreached people groups. But the majority of us, for the majority of our life statistics would say, we'll live in the same city. The majority of us are called to this city, to minister to this city, I don't think local and global missions are, are opposed to each other. I, in fact, I believe the more you do local missions, the more you'll care about global missions, right? I think it's hand in hand. I think when we begin to care about our neighbor, we'll care more about the person over in China or India. And, and you may have noticed, and I, I talked to a lot of our, our seniors about this, and they talk about kind of how it feels like the culture and like the, the, the city has changed. That there was a day, and I, I don't remember this day, but supposedly there was this day where like the majority of people that you knew went to church. Houston was one of the, like the shining epicenters of the Bible Belt, you know? And the question back then wasn't like, are you a Christian? The question was like, what kind of Christian are you? Are you a Methodist? Are you a Baptist? Are you a Catholic? Are you Anglican, right? Are you non-denominational, which is a denomination all of its own now, which is ironic and I find very funny. <laughs> are you Pentecostal? It's funny, people don't ask those questions that much anymore, do they? You're a Christian? They get your place of work. Oh my gosh, you know? You? And, and the reason is because we're, we're beginning to see there's a, there's a shift. And Christianity globally is exploding. But I wouldn't necessarily say that's the case here in America. And so I believe what we see happening is Houston and our city will continually become more and more unreached, more and more unreached. And the Christian church has historically had one strategy for reaching places that need the gospel, that need to know the good news of the kingdom. And that one strategy that goes all the way back to the Great Commission is the church sends missionaries, people on mission to bring the kingdom of God to those places through loving the poor, through helping people, through sharing the hope of the gospel. Sends people into those places and into those communities to reach them, to intentionally live among the people. And what I believe is happening here in the Christian church and in our city, and it's not just Wide Oak, it's other churches that we partner with, God is reminding us in this season that we are all missionaries sent to live and love this city 
that people would know, as Jesus said, that the kingdom of God has come near and that they are warmly welcomed into this kingdom. The church has one strategy, and it's called being a missionary to reflect the kingdom of God wherever we go. As we close, I'll, uh, I'll close uh, this morning with a, uh, with a story. Uh, there's one <clears throat> specific uh, time in my life, moment, uh, I, may, I may have shared this before, but um, this is like that pivotal moment for me whenever um, God really broke through and taught me this in a, in a powerful way. I was uh, in high school and uh, I was playing baseball for, for Waltrip High School and we were playing a game against Bel Air High School. Remember like it was yesterday, right? Um, I was on JV, I wasn't that good, but, um, but I, was, I was on the field, I was playing, I was pretty nice, you know? So um, we were playing a game and, uh, and, and at that time in my life, you know, I'd gone to church, I was raised in the church, I'd been to church my entire life. Um, but I wouldn't say at that moment that I had really gotten this concept yet that God wanted all of my life, that he wanted, to be, wanted me to be on mission for him no matter where I was at, you know, because I, I, was really, um, I was really into God when it came to church, but this was the baseball field, and that's a really different kind of place, right? So uh, we were playing a game, and we had a pitching change, which if you know anything about baseball, they take out the pitcher because he's not doing good. They put in a new pitcher, and they let him warm up his arm on the mound so he doesn't blow his arm out, right? But while they're doing that, the rest of the team kind of congregates on the field. And so we were congregated on the field, and we were talking about stuff, you know, all of us, you know, baseball players. And uh, I'm not going to tell you what we were talking about because it's not appropriate for church. I shouldn't have been talking about it. And I'm not going to tell you the words we were using because you don't say those words in church. You shouldn't say those words anywhere, you know. But I was being a 15-year-old jock, basically, is what I was being. And we were talking, and um, we were having this conversation, and I remember I said something that was probably not a good thing to say. No, it was definitely not a good thing to say. Um, And when I said this thing, I felt this, like, powerful conviction of sin to a degree that I had never felt before. And all of a sudden, I realized in that moment that what I was doing was not honoring God, and that I was actually hurting the people that God had sent me there to love on and to minister to. And it was in that moment that I felt like God calling me in such a random, trivial time. It was totally the Spirit of God because it doesn't make any sense, right? I'm on the random baseball field during a pitching change, and I feel this conviction of sin that I'm not living the way I'm supposed to be living. And the reason was because I'd bought into the myth of the secular, I'd bought into the myth that there are things in this world and times in this world and places in our life that are not connected to the glory of God. That God cares more about what I do when I'm in church than when I'm in other places. And it was in that moment that God taught me that nothing in my life escapes his calling for me. That every place I go, wherever I'm at, whatever I'm doing, whoever I'm with, whatever I feel like, in every single moment of my life, I am sent by God to live on the mission of God, to tell the world that there is so much hope in Jesus. There is no secular. There is no normal. Everything is supernatural. Everything is under God's command. In every moment of our life, every place that our feet fall, God wants us to bring hope and healing to that place. 
My closing admonition to you is to do not leave the gospel at home or at church, but to bring it with you everywhere that you go. You did not just end up here. You were sent here by God. And you were sent to this place this morning to hear this message, to be reminded by the God of the universe who knew about you before he laid the foundation of the world, that this week he's calling you to live on his mission, to let the world know that the kingdom of God has drawn near to them, to take that message to people who want nothing to do with God. And and not everybody will accept your message. The, The majority of people won't. But we will let them know we do not leave the gospel at home or at church, but we bring it with us everywhere that we go. Church, I love you. And I'm excited to live on mission every place that I go with you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've called us to such a glorious task. God, we thank you that you have um, chosen to use us. God, all of us want this sense of purpose and and direction in our life. God, all of us need it. It's like we, we can't live without it. And God, I thank you that you didn't just come to the world and say, get out of my way, I'm gonna do this myself, but that you invited us, your children, into this mission. God, that you've put healing power in our hands through your spirit. God, that you've put a message of hope in our mouth that can change lives and bring a smile to the person who is depressed. God, we thank you. You've given us gifts and abilities and jobs and places that we can go to love people, God. And and we thank you that even when we fail and mess up and don't live the way we're supposed to and we don't take advantage of the opportunities, that God, you forgive us, you encourage us, you train us, God, and you send us back out. And God, lastly, I just proclaim on behalf of this church that God, we are here, send us. God, that we are willing. And God, we believe we can do great things in your strength and in your power. God, empower us to live on your mission and to let everybody know that the the kingdom of God has drawn near. We pray all these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.